Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. The Seahawks have a new head coach, and we'll hear, hear from him for the first time today at 11 a.m. Former Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, who was a favorite candidate of many fan bases, got snatched up by the Seahawks. Seahawks confirmed that news yesterday. Jody Allen, chair of the Seattle Seahawks, saying in a statement, we're very excited to welcome Mike to our team as head coach. Mike's demonst- demonstrated innovative and disciplined leadership and has a clear vision about what it takes to win. His record in Baltimore speaks for itself, as does his commitment to a strong team culture, which is a hallmark of the Seahawks. Before I get into all of what national experts have to say about Mike McDonald and this hire, spoiler alert, they love it. Bump, (laughs) how are you feeling now? 24 hours essentially removed from the news. I feel great. I think you and I were both excited about about the hire. He was one of our guys, right? Ben Johnson, Dan Quinn, and then it was Mike McDonald. I think we both wanted him because uh, you essentially go from the oldest head coach in the league to the youngest head coach. But when you look at his journey and how he got here, man, he put in his work. I know he's 36. People see 36 and be like, man, what could he have done in such a short amount of time? I will tell you, he's been with the Ravens for seven years. He's worked his way up from a coaching intern all the way up to a linebacker's coach. He leaves Baltimore, goes to Michigan for a year, does his thing there, and then he comes back home. Man, he's, uh, he's earned this position, and when you listen to him speak, he breaks down this defense. It makes complete sense. He's a good communicator. That's why we've seen the Baltimore Ravens fly around the way that they have the last couple years. So, no, I'm excited. How are you feeling about it? I'm very eager to hear from a new voice. I, I did love covering Pete Carroll. I really did, and I love what the culture established here and the winning that happened here in Seattle, including the city getting its first ever Super Bowl. But I think that, you know, you're always curious about someone that other people love, like people that I respect in sports in addition to you, right? Um, But whether it's former players, uh, whether it's analysts, they love this hire. I was listening to Mina Kimes this morning on her podcast. We heard we had Greg Rosenthal on the show. Um, We've had uh, several other national folks on the show. Shio Kapati has joined us. And all of these men and women have always said, oh, my God, Mike McDonald, if they could get that hire, it would be a slam dunk hire. And so I always saw it as a long shot because I was like, it's too good to be true. Everyone wants him. Everyone wants this guy. You know, are the Seahawks going to be kind of too late to the game? Because, you know, he's still in the playoffs at that point. Will they get a chance to interview him? God, here's Washington with the number two pick overall. Is that going to be tempting for a new head coach? And instead, just as the Seahawks chose him, he chose Seattle. Yeah, the Hawks had to be patient. And that, that had to be a little scary for Schneider in the game, right? Yeah. Waiting to see, like, look, we got to wait for this guy to lose a game. And I, I bet it was bittersweet for John because you want to see a potential candidate for your head coach position, go to the Super Bowl and do his thing. But I know as soon as they lost, he goes, all right, get him on the phone right now and let's get him to Seattle. <laughs> he said, call him immediately. Do not let him leave without a deal. And when you look at the journey that McDonald's been on and you um, you break down what he wants to accomplish with a defense, you look over here with the Seahawks and you say, there are some pieces to help you do that. But here's the beauty of being a new head coach. You get to essentially build from the ground up. And we're saying build from the ground up, but you probably really already got the foundation. You got the frame up because there are some pieces here, right? Now you got to do what you do at your house and do some uh, some interior decorating. Some renovations. You know, some, some renovations or what? inspiring whatnot. work. There you go. That, that's what uh, Mike McDonald has to do. Starts with the coaching staff, though, right? I'm going to be interested to see who he hires yeah. and what type of philosophy on offense he wants to pursue. That's exactly right. I'm going to hit up Home Goods. 
and target. <laughs> Mike is going to hit up free agency in the draft, right. that pick number 16 overall, and they're going right. to look at ways to build this team up. Later in the show, we're going to talk, and I'm really excited for this conversation, about what pieces Mike is going to need here as head coach. Should we call him Coach Mac? I think that's maybe the first thing I want to hear about from this press conference yeah. is like, what do, what do you right. like to be what called? Like are you Coach called? Mac? Are you Coach McDonald? Do we call you Mike? What's going on here? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, Well, as a, as a fellow Mike. We have to differentiate. You know, we got to figure out what's going on. There's a lot of Mikes in this it's world right now. Frankly, too many. <laughs> you know what? 80s. He's an 80s baby like myself. Michael Jordan, Mike Tyson. You guys are going to um, bond over know, all of this that. Is, this is what it is. I know. But later in the show, we're going to talk about some of the pieces that he needs. Let's right now take a listen to some of what many people around the league have to say about this hire. Let's start with Mina Kimes, who was on with us yesterday. Cut number one. Take a listen the schematic aspect of it, which is, I think, what really jumps out, and, and I'm not the first person to say this, but in a division where you're playing Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay's offenses twice a year, and we've seen the Seattle defense struggle versus those offenses, it feels like, year after year lately, to bring in a coach who has been so successful against those teams and, and teams with similar approaches on offense, that's so important, and it gives you hope, frankly, that this defense can get turned around. It's a fantastic scheme. It's one of my favorites to watch in the NFL, the complexity of what they do with their coverage rotations and their simulated pressure, something we talk about a lot on NFL Live. It's really something you have to do in the modern NFL. Now, coming up a bit later this hour, uh, at 1045, actually, Bump, you've got your Baltimore breakdown. Bump's Baltimore breakdown. We love alliteration. And you've been watching a lot of tape to see what exactly Mike McDonald does so well. A more kind of generic surface level cover of it right now is that you are, I'm assuming, very excited about what this defense can be. Yeah, I am. Um, you talk about the pressures. You talk about the pressure looks. You talked about the rotations when it comes to coverages. All that does is make the quarterback second-guess himself. And he said to himself, that's what you want to accomplish as a defense. Because when you do that, that means the quarterback's more liable to turn the football over, right? The offensive line is more liable to blow a protection. You are trying to make the offense make the mistake and allow your guys mm -hmm. to go over there and make the play. Take the football out the air get after the quarterback and make the open field tackle. So when you look at his defense, it is perceived to be extremely aggressive and it can be aggressive. But right when you think they are going to blitz and they're going to continue to be aggressive, they'll drop into coverage and allow you to make them right. And that's what I love about it, man. He's a great teacher. The, the philosophy and the scheme makes sense. And um, I'm interested to see how he uses the pieces that are already here. Because like I said, there are some guys that I see that fit perfectly into what he's trying to accomplish. And um, it gives me a sense that this defense is going to be playing a lot faster just because of the way that he teaches things. Now, outside of just what he has to do with the defense and how he can evolve this group, he's also got to figure out who he wants to hire. Now, I'm going to get to the cut in a minute, but Mina Kimes hinting, maybe you go with um, an experienced veteran as your offensive coordinator. I think one of the things I'm most excited to learn about Mike McDonald, whether that's today in his press conference, whether it's over the next couple of weeks as we get to learn about him a little bit more, what kind of offense do you want? Right. We know exactly what you do defensively, and it's mm -hmm. really exciting. But who do you want to be offensively? And that's that's what's cool, too, because if you have an offensive guy, um, obviously he comes in with his philosophy and what he likes to do. On the defensive side, he understands what stresses his defense out. Mind you, one of the best defenses in the game last year, it still gets stressed out. He understands where the, the weak points are, the softness in the zones, how to attack the blitz, how to control those fronts. So it gives a different perspective. So I look at Geno, I look at DK, Ken Walker, this offensive mm -hmm. line, and I go, what does he see in this offense that he likes and what doesn't he like? And now, what type of philosophy is the guy who is offensive coordinator going to have when he 
comes in because he's going to have influence. John Schneider and Mike McDonald have to sit down and figure out what their identity is going to be on offense. We know what it is on defense, and I'm happy that they went defensively when it comes to the head coach because the defense needed the most work, right? On offense, there are some pieces already in place. Geno's been good with the play action. He can push the ball down the field. We know that the zone concepts have been good in the run game, so I have the gap. So I'm, I'm just interested to see uh, what type of mind he gets at that coordinator spot and then what type of support he gives that offensive coordinator. Speaking of what kind of mind he gets at the coordinator spot, that's exactly what got Mike McDonald here. He is a brilliant mind at defensive coordinator. And maybe the answer was in front of us the whole time, right? John Schneider at his press conference after the team moved on from Pete Carroll and parted ways with their former head coach said, we're looking for someone who can move us forward, someone who can evolve, someone who can be innovative. Mm-hmm. Bump, I'm looking around the rest of the NFC West and I'm going, these are a lot of really innovative right. minds. Right. Yeah, you come into a tough situation. I said it yesterday. Um, 12 years, the NFC West has been represented in the Super Bowl seven times. That's insane. So you know you got to get through the Niners. You know you got to get through the Rams. I forget who called him the Shanahan tree uh, killer the other day. Greg Coach Rosenthal. Good, good for Greg. We need it. That's what we need because Shanahan, we know, um, it's all about deception when it comes to that offense. And if you are – fundamentally sound with your rules on defense then there's less deception you are human beings you're going to take false steps or whatnot but if you got all guys moving on the string getting to the same spot and filling the gaps of where you're supposed to be you're more likely to uh to have a big game we saw what the baltimore ravens defense did to the 49ers not saying it's plug plug in and play and mcdonald's going to have the guys mm-hmm. playing at that level but he has shown that he can have success against shanahan directly not just the tree hey not just against the 49ers we saw what they did against the chiefs right i mean mm-hmm. they did not lose that game because Mike McDonald's defense didn't perform. They held the Chiefs to 17 points and held them scoreless in the second half. That's not easy to do to Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs are advancing because of what Mahomes did and because Baltimore's offense kind of faltered and made their own mistakes and and maybe didn't exploit some of their best weapons. This is still a fantastic year from Baltimore. They should be very proud of where they were. More importantly, though, we're not Baltimore. We're Seattle, and we have their former defensive coordinator, someone who was brilliant with that team, now here in Seattle. Let's take a listen to what Mina Kimes wants to see Mike McDonald do. Cut number five. This is who she'd like to see him hire. I think back to Sean McVay when he was hired by the Rams, and there were a lot of question marks around that at the time. You guys yeah. remember he was about he was actually younger. But and one thing he did that I thought was so smart was he brought in Wade Phillips, coach defense, and said, hey, you got defense. <laughs> Let's do that at first. And I think that sort of is something that would benefit McDonald as well offensively. That's a hire that still has to be made. But if he can find someone he can trust and sort of enlist him to handle that side of the ball so that he doesn't feel too much responsibility in year one, I think that would be very helpful. Now, one of the tricky things about being a 36-year-old rookie head coach <laughs> is you got to find out where to get the injection of veteran uh, knowledge and know-how and, and people who have been there before, right? Now, you're going to be able to connect with players in just a very different way mm-hmm. by virtue of being younger, by virtue of having been there recently, by virtue of being in the college ranks recently, right, as a coach. Where do you find that veteran? Um, you, you go through your Rolodex, you, you holler at guys on other stats, but then you really depend on, one, you find yourself a veteran. There's always a veteran coach out there um, looking to get back on a staff. The two that pop into my head right now are on the defensive side, obviously Ron Rivera and Mike Vrabel, but there are guys on the offensive side as well who have been there and who have done that. But I think Mina 
um, nailed it. It's you have to be able to delegate. You have to be able to leave the room when the offense is doing their thing and feel like they are in good hands, not to feel like you have to micromanage and check in every now and then. Now, you are the head coach. you got to be involved in some stuff. But when you're able to delegate and feel like everything you need to be done is being handled in a manner that you like it, it puts you at ease and allows you to really focus at what you're good at. And what is he best at? What is he best at? He's best mm-hmm. at getting the defense ready and communicating. I'm throwing away this narrative that he's an introvert and that he doesn't know how to communicate with guys or whatever how, whatever you put on an introvert, throw that away. I've been watching uh, interviews and, and mic'd up sessions of this dude, and he is a coach. He is a leader. Guys respond to him. So if you allow him to do what he does best, which is get that defense right while overseeing this whole organization, delegating responsibilities, um, I think – this organization can take a couple steps forward, and that's all we're looking for right now. I know you should be excited if you are 12, um, but to expect it to be just night and day, I don't think it's realistic. But, you know, just take these little baby steps and get better every single week. I think that is a real possibility. I don't want to spoil your 1045, so so answer this how you will, but what are you personally most excited for? Because it sounds like you were already excited yesterday when I Mm -hmm. asked you, hey, what do you think about the hire? You were like, love it. This is great. But it sounds like you're even more excited. Yeah. Um, rotation. Rotation, rotation, and confusion. They will rotate their coverage. They will cause confusion with that offensive line. And they keep the offense guessing. Uh, that's what I love about this. All right. Uh, again, coming up later at 1045, Bump's been doing some digging. It's Bump's Baltimore Breakdown. We're also uh, going to hear uh, a bit more um, about Mike McDonald from someone who knows him well. Uh, that's coming up at 1030. We're going to hear his introductory press conference at 11. You guys are in for a ton of news back to back to back to back. Let's get to just a little bit more sound here before headline rewrites. Uh, let's talk about uh, Gary Kubiak coming up, uh, excuse me, in cut number six, talks about the challenges of going from a coordinator to a head coach you know the football part really is easy i mean that that's what you do that's what you know that's what you're comfortable with it's all the other things that come with it you know when you're when you're a head coach you know your your availability to the media is very you know on a regular basis i mean so that's something you're dealing with all the time Uh, dealing with ownership dealing with uh, the front office player personnel all the all those things that you don't deal with as an assistant coach that become part of your day-to-day life. So getting a real good grip on those type of things, how they're going to pull on you, surrounding yourself with people that are great teachers. I think that's so important in football nowadays with so much turnover. you got to surround yourself with great teachers and people that you feel good about. And you lay your head on that pillow at night, you know, you got to be able to sleep and know you got good people working for you and, and let them do their job. Kubiak also said he thinks McDonald should continue calling plays even though he's head coach now. Are you in favor of that decision? I love it. I think that if he's comfortable, if he feels like he can do that and still oversee everything, most definitely. I think he also um, will probably have a – his right-hand man, a guy mm-hmm. that um, is preparing to be an offensive coordinator or has the qualifications and capabilities to handle the things that um, he doesn't have the time to handle when he's overseeing everything else. But, no, I, I'm, I'm not against head coaches who don't call plays. I think it allows them to be more involved in other places. But, look, man, this is what got him here is being aggressive with his play calling and being locked in. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But he has to do whatever he feels most comfortable doing. If he gets a staff together and he feels 
feels like the offense is capable, the defense is capable. I'm just going to sit at the top of this umbrella mm-hmm. and kind of oversee. I'm good with that, but I would love for him to insert himself on that defense as a coordinator and really, at least initially, we're, he signed with a six-year deal. Mm-hmm. Let's hope that he's here for six years, at least for the first year or two. I would love to see him as the D.C. to really establish his culture. Now, we want to keep some of what Pete Carroll has, uh, has developed here, mm-hmm. but he also has to make it his. I think the best way to do that defensively is for him to be the D coordinator to start, but I'm good with whatever he decides. Kadri Ismail is going to join us at 1030. He's the Ravens pre and post game show host and knows a ton about Mike McDonald. You guys can send in your questions to us on the Mac and Jack's text line. Bump and I have a few, but if there's one that just is burning a hole in your brain, you got to know this about Mike. Send it in 866-979-3776. Kadri is going to join us in about 15 minutes. Right now, let's get to headline rewrites. Headline Rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacey. Headline number one, ESPN's Jordan Renan reports Mike Kafka has expected return to the Giants as their offensive coordinator in 2024. What's the real headline? Well, scratch that name off Mike McDonald's wish list. Yeah, um, I felt like as soon as Kafka didn't get a head coach job, his best bet was to stay with yeah. the Giants. Yeah. We look at Dayball entering his third year on a five-year deal. I'm not wishing any bad on Dayball. I hope it works out over there. I never wish ill on any head coach. But if it doesn't work out, you would assume that Kafka would be next in line if he can get Daniel Jones to play well. We'll see the health of Saquon Barkley. The New York Giants offense looked good a couple years ago. Now, injuries happen and, and guys fall off or whatnot. So, no, I think that's the best move for Kafka, man. Stay at home. You're not going to make a lateral move to be an offensive coordinator. Stay there where they know you, where they love you. And if things don't work out with Dayball, you could be next up. So it's all about positioning. How do you mm-hmm. position yourself to get to the next level? I think that's how you do it with Kafka. Stay put in New York. The Giants are in a really interesting spot. They clearly really love what Kafka does for them, even though last year, this past season, offensively, they were one of the worst teams in football. They also lost a ton of offensive linemen. They had everyone get injured. They didn't have their starting quarterback. They lost their starting running back at a certain point. It's interesting, though. It's it's one of those things where he's coming back as offensive coordinator, and meanwhile, uh, they've fired another coordinator, their special teams coordinator, Thomas McGoey, and they've also parted ways with Wink Martindale. So you're kind of coming back to an empty house. It's like Will Smith and Fresh Prince. You're looking around, mm-hmm. Mike Kafka going, where is everyone? Hey, you know what? Opportunity. You got to shake it up in New York. A little Can't bit. Run it back. You got to do it. Headline rewrites. Headline number two, The Athletic reported yesterday that Jets head coach Robert Sala tried to confiscate the phones of his coaching staff to prevent leaks getting out to the media. What's Mm. the real headline? You might want to start with that Wheatley show your quarterback does. That's the leak. That's the leak, the leak is right coming right inside the house. <laughs> and then I'm also wondering, like, what else is being leaked? What else have we heard? We heard Wilson not wanting to go in the game. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't know what else is out there if Aaron Rodgers ain't on the Pat McAfee show every week. Now, he's done with that for the season. We'll see if he runs it back next year. But if I'm Sala, I'm talking to Aaron Rodgers and saying, look, you talk about distractions. You talk about guys being focused. How about we we put that show aside for a little bit and uh, you focus on being the quarterback 
for the New York Jets. So that's the leak right there. I don't know what else he's talking about. Let's talk about some of the nuggets to come from this uh, athletic. I'm going to call it an expose. It's very juicy. Uh, Robert Sala reportedly complained that it was unfair. The Giants didn't get as much negative coverage. Oh, poor Robert. Well, also (laughs) important to note, as we all said before the show started, the Giants didn't have Super Bowl aspirations. They didn't trade for Aaron Rodgers. They didn't film Hard Knocks. And they didn't make it clear where they wanted to be that season. So, yeah, that's going to happen. With personnel and with expectations comes pressure, right? You've created this bubble that you live in and everybody's on the bubble like you're in a fish tank or something knocking on the glass Mm -hmm. saying we want to see what's going on in there we want to see what's happening so it's a privilege and it's a curse at the same time when you have all these things happen that happen to the Jets so um it is what it is Salah it is what it is I also thought this was interesting so this is a direct excerpt I'm just going to read it um so as Curtis mentioned in the headline he was trying to confiscate phones uh he also was just trying to find the leak so it says the coach held a meeting with his staff two days later, this being after Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat McAfee show saying he was tired of leaks, mm-hmm. where he asked the leaker to reveal himself. He said, <laughs> yeah, right. quote, I mean, they're totally going to do quote. <laughs> if you come forward now, you won't get in trouble. He told them while threatening to take their cell phones. Staffers were bemused by Sala's obsession with the Wilson story. That being that Zach Wilson didn't want to play after being benched uh, and his reaction to it. Now, Oh my, my pitch, gosh. listen to me, <laughs> my pitch for the Jets, let me produce for you a reality show where you, I promise I will find you this leaker, but the trick is that I want it produced as a reality show. <laughs> it's going to be called, it's kind of like the mole. It's going to be the leak. We will find the it, leak. but I definitely want like a elimination style thing where like every single, like it all ends at, at every single episode ends with an elimination ceremony mm-hmm. with all the employees around this big table, all the coaches and everyone and Robert. Sala is going to say, you know, this is who I think the leak is. And then that person will reveal trader style, whether or not they're the leak before they leave. I'm there's there's something special here. I mean, NBC is going to be begging to pick this up. Sounds like sounds like you got something there. Let me um let me give you a little insight on on parenting. Curtis, you're not here yet. Your kids are younger, right? <laughs> you he got says, snitches in your house. He goes, Sala goes, look, tell me now and you won't be in trouble. That's like me telling my son, like, tell me and I won't be mad. You know, for sure, I'm going to be mad. Now, I might not discipline him the way that I would if I would have just found out on my own, but I'm going to look at him different. Now, I can't fire my son. He's my son. But I'm going to look at him different. Ain't no way a, a snitch is going to come forward and Salah's going to be like, oh, it's all good. You guys want to go uh, go to the golf course this weekend with the snitch? <laughs> nah, man. Come on, Salah. These are grown men. They know how that works. Headline rewrites. Headline number three, Dan Quinn will reportedly be the next head coach of the Washington Commanders. What's the real headline? This is the equivalent of Washington heating up leftovers because they couldn't decide on what to make for dinner. They sure did get the leftovers. I know, but Dan Quinn can be a good coach. He can be. He can be. He has some good years with the Atlanta Falcons. He was uh, the head coach there from 2015 to 2020. In 2016, 11-5, they won the division, made the playoffs. 2017, 10-6, made the playoffs. He was 47-49 and 49 overall over there in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. He did some good things. I look at what the commanders have over there, and there's a little bit to work with, but it all starts with the quarterback position and shaping up that defense. We saw what they did. They got rid of Sweat. They got rid of Chase over there on that defensive line for the commanders they got some things in return i think dan quinn is looking at that situation and saying i can build here as long as he goes into that situation and him and management are on the same page they're going to allow him two to three years to get things going we shall see 
Um, I just hope he doesn't get the short end of the stick, and, and if it ain't happening in a year, they get rid of him. A little tiny bit of news right before we hit break from Adam Schefter. The Ravens have officially named Zach Orr as their new defensive coordinator and the replacement for Mike McDonald. Zach Orr was a name that we were all kind of keeping an eye on uh, as a, what was he, linebacker's, linebacker coach. linebacker's coach, as a potential defensive coordinator hire for Mike McDonald here in Seattle, so take his name off the list. Mike McDonald's still looking for his offensive and defensive coordinators. And speaking with reporters coming up here in less than an hour, in about 30 minutes, 11 a.m., we'll be streaming that live, and we are live from Seahawks headquarters. You're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Coming up next, let's take a listen to someone who knows Mike McDonald well. Ravens pre- and post-game show host Kadri Ismail joins us next. Bump and Stacy, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Let's learn a bit more about the new Seahawks head coach, Mike McDonald, from someone who knows him well. It's Ravens pre and post game show host Kadri Ishmael joining us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Kadri, how's it going? Uh, I am doing well now that we know we have a replacement. <laughs> head coach, I was in mourning. It was it was a tough one. We did the whole Taylor Swift get whooped, you know, throwing the helmets pregame, and now we we get kicked in the teeth with Mike, you know, exiting out to the Great Northwest, and uh, but all is settling in. We 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 got his replacement. I'm feeling better. Hey, I'm not going to lie, Kadri. When I saw that Zach Orr was named defensive coordinator, I realized how selfish I'd become. See, we took Mike McDonald, and already I was like, but I, but now I've fallen in love with Orr. <laughs> now I wanted him. So, well, I'll tell you what, he would have jumped ship, I bet, if Mike McDonald would have asked him to come with. Oh, so I'm gosh. thankful that the Ravens, they were smart enough to, they recognize the talent clearly of Mike McDonald, but then to to let more guys leave throughout, you know, the defensive side of the ball would have been a travesty. Yeah, um, I, I would assume that Orr is going to run a bit of what uh, Mike McDonald did over there. But, uh, but hey, man, uh, the obviously the thing that sticks out first is that this guy was born in 1987, right? Young cat, and uh, but that's paid his dues, was with the organization for seven years, goes to Michigan, and now he is back. Um, your time over there with the Baltimore Ravens or covering him in, in that situation, was there a moment during his development where you felt like he was destined to be a D.C. or, or the future head coach of an organization? The defensive coordinator element of it all, you can see it. Um, he is one of those guys where, obviously, you, you go up through uh, the NFL ranks, you got to pay your dues. And paying your dues means doing – all the, the crazy grunt work that is required. But along the way, the good ones, like a Mike McDonald, they learn, they adapt, they, they see what is, you know, really at the, at the grassroots level of what makes a, a team successful or not successful. And I think because he had Wink Martindale as his, you know, final tutor, if you will, uh, before he was able to go off to Michigan and obviously come back, to Baltimore, I think he, he got in his mind, you know, this is who I am. This is how I'm going to approach uh, players and teach them how to be the best that they can be. And that communication is going to work for us. And I'm going to leave no stone unturned because just because you're in the NFL and you're a coach, that doesn't mean you can coach. Um, the proof is in the pudding as far as adapt. Uh, from from play to play, from drive to drive, obviously from game to game. But 
you know, it's the it's the, the the really good ones that are so prepared to say, okay, these are those tendencies that I knew were going to come about. Here's what I need my guys to buy into to stop what that offense is going to do. And I think that's what kind of spells what Mike McDonald is all about. Hey, uh, Kadri, I've seen a lot of good iterations of Ravens defenses, right? So in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, what kind of step forward did he make? Because my memories, my very surface level memories of the Ravens past teams have, have been with some pretty solid defensive units. What did you see specifically from him this year where you were like, okay, no, this guy took it to the next level? Yeah, I mean, let's just start with with uh, veteran players and Kyle Van Noy and Jadavian Clowney. So every team, you know, has their training camps and they go through their thing. But when you, you know, are done training camp and, you know, an injury happens or a guy comes available or whatever, you got to, you know, put them in and plug them into the system and, and how well can they do. And it was the way in which they glowingly talked about Mike McDonald and the way in which – he utilized their skill set. Um, that's something where you, know, you have to have an open ear to listen to veterans and then also say, okay, he's saying this. I know I can put him in that position to do that. When do I put him in that position and what does it affect other guys? Then you look at young players like Justin Matabike. Uh, you, you look at you know Kyle Hamilton, who made all pro as well. And you see how he used Kyle Hamilton and putting him at the line of scrimmage, uh, putting him, you know, from coming from depth. Uh, Arthur Millette was a free agent pickup and, you know, he, he got involved from a secondary aspect as far as pressuring the quarterback and getting sacks again. Yeah. You, you can write it down all you want on paper. And I've seen it so many times where, you know, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, you know, you'll, you'll have a great game plan, but will you call it? I mean, that's, that's, that's the genius of it, calling it. And I think for Mike McDonald, he actually calls it, which, you know, gives the guys even more confident in themselves to hold one another accountable and to, you know, go out there and, and, and get their minds right to play and play well. Uh, I love that you mentioned Kyle Hamilton um, and the way that he used him. I look at the situation over here with the Seahawks, and um, obviously we'll see what happens with Jamal Adams at that safety spot, but you still got Quandre Diggs. Uh, you bring over Julian Love. You got Kobe Bryant over here as well. Um, I mentioned those pieces to ask you the question, what do you see over here that you feel like Mike McDonald looked at the personnel and, and the way they play ball and said, yeah, I, I can definitely work with that situation? I think the the big picture now is that he becomes, you know, the head coach. And so, yeah, you, you have those young players, you have some talent. Um, clearly when y'all came, you know, out East to, to play the Ravens, y'all, y'all were looking the part. Um, there was a lot of speed on the field. There was a lot of, you know, hard hitting as far as the defensive front. Um, at the same time, yes, the, the Ravens did their thing. There were, you know, clearly, a, a team to reckon with and, and all the all the things. But one of the things I think as a head coach, you have to really balance yourself and say, you know, what's the culture like of, of the team itself and of the organization? I think that, and I'm paying homage back to Pete Carroll, that there is that, you know, culture of, of hey, we're, we're about to, to change things up. We're, we're all about winning. We're all about competing. We're all about, you know, the enthusiasm of the game. And I think with a young, you know, mind like a Mike McDonald, it will fit into, 
you know, furthering that culture. You talked about, you know, from a defensive mentality, you know, as far as what the, the Ravens were about before Mike McDonald. Well, I know back in 2000, you know, when we were sitting there and wondering our identity, uh, Brian Billick, the, the head coach for the Ravens, he was brought in in 99, but he quickly realized, like, huh, I got Marvin Lewis here. I got Jack Del Rio at the linebacker spot. I got this young stud in Ray Lewis, and I got a Hall of Famer to be in Rod Woodson in the secondary. I got a defensive front that is just, like, lights out. Well, you know, slap me and call me, Susan. I am about to go out there and take this to the next level. And he did. He allowed the defense to do their job. And it was historic. So my point is, is that what is the next phase for Mike McDonald? It's how can I take what I see and do from a defensive coordinator spot? How can I empower my other guys that are around me, which he did a phenomenal job with his defensive staff, there's no way dudes are going to get, you know, head coaching interviews if, you know, he didn't allow for them to, to, to thrive. And now how can he get those guys, those players to, to buy into like, yo, we, we recognize, you know, the King is dead, but long live the King. Hey, you know, the standard is a standard. We know that we have established from the twelves all the way into the organization, we have established a level of excellence. Let's build upon already what the foundation has been laid. He is the co-host of Purple Pre and Post Game on WJZ in Baltimore. As y'all know, he was a starting wide receiver on the 2000 Ravens Super Bowl team. He is Ravens Pre and Post Game show host Kadri Ishmael. Kind enough to join us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Thanks so much, Kadri. Thanks, Kadri. Appreciate you guys having me on. You're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. We're going to hear from Mike McDonald, his introductory press conference coming up live at 11 a.m. from Seahawks headquarters. Before we get to it, Bump, you've been watching a lot of Baltimore Ravens tape, and you've got our Baltimore breakdown coming your way next. Bump and Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Bump, you've been watching a lot of Baltimore tape, and now you've got Bump's Baltimore Breakdown telling us what you especially loved about watching uh, McDonald's defenses over there for the Ravens. So what stood out to you? Uh, first personnel. I mean, you got all pro Kyle Hamilton over there. I love Marcus Williams at that free safety spot. Um, you got great play out of Jadavian Clowney, Patrick Queen, uh, Roquan Smith. Like, personnel matters, right? Yeah. So the first thing that stands out to me, I go, man, that linebacker can move. Man, that uh, outside linebacker is setting the edge. So um, you're only as good as your personnel, and he had great personnel to work with. But you have to be able to communicate your plan. But let's talk a little bit about the X's and O's. After watching a bunch of film and listening to Mike McDonald talk, man, his main thing is to make the quarterback second guess. Now, he's changed his approach week by week. Like, the fundamentals are the same, right? You're going to see a lot of the same things, but he understands how to attack certain offenses. And one of the things that stood out to me is he loves having six men on the line of scrimmage to start the play and then dropping guys from here or there, making a nice little stunt twist over here on the left side with a linebacker and, uh, and your outside backer there, then dropping what is presumed to be the three-tech into coverage over there, starting with a two-high look and then late rotating your safety down and keeping four underneath. I've seen this defense play with a lot 
lot of two high, and I saw I saw him play with one high as well, keeping four underneath. Um, I was really amazed at the way they played against the 49ers. I watched that game. The game, they blew them out. That was mm -hmm. one of the games that I watched, and I go, they were not afraid to do whatever they wanted to that offense. They showed a lot of man early on in the game and said, look, we're good enough to man you up one-on-one -on, -one on the outsides. We'll put our safety on your, your uh, tight end there, and then we have safeties and linebackers that are good enough to give Christian McCaffrey a tough time releasing out of the backfield. So he's not afraid to challenge these guys when it comes to one-on-one. -on -one. When you go man coverage, obviously – uh, personnel has a lot to do with that, right? Um, but when I look at when he walks up the six guys on the line of scrimmage, what does that do? Okay, you got five offensive linemen. You have a running back back there. Theoretically, you should be able to, to block those guys, depending on what you're doing with the running back if he's releasing out the backfield. But what it does is it makes the offensive line have to be have to uh, diagnose what's going on all the way up into the snap and even after the snap. You don't know who's going to shoot the gap. You don't know who's dropping off in the coverage. And then even when they bring pressure from the second level from depth, right? They don't necessarily show it. They're so good on that second level and having the safety replace a linebacker that's blitzing is that they don't they don't roll into it slowly. Every now and then they will, but for the most part, they are quick enough to fire through the gap and have the safety roll down late and take care of that that hook area right there. So giving you different types of looks, man. I love what they do on defense. And then it's just the fundamentals too, man. I mean, you look at the Ravens play football, they are flying around and they are tackling guys. There aren't too many um, running backs or, or ball carriers that get out of the grasp of the Ravens once they have their paws on you. Again, half of that is personnel. Well, a lot of it is personnel. Then a lot of it is, I assume, that they work on the fundamentals every single day. We heard KJ talk the other day. We played sound from him. Mm -hmm. He goes, look, there are live periods during the Baltimore Ravens practices, which I love. Later on in the season, I'm sure you get away from that. But early on in the season, training camp, maybe the first couple of weeks, you're trying to see what your guys can do. Um, then I look at the fronts, right? Um, it's a it's a, a three four defense, but um, they're uh, it's multiple. It's three four defense, but then you'll have their outside linebacker walk down, put his hand in the dirt. It essentially becomes an even front. So the guys on the edges, I'm looking at the Chinnawosu. I'm looking at Boye Mafia. Go, they have to be versatile. They have to be able to work out of that two point stance. They got to be able to get down into the three. They got to be able to tuck in and, and get to that three tech, and then you can walk a another backer or safety down. Those outside linebackers have to be versatile and the way he uses them is great you send them after the quarterback um, you have them set the edge and they drop into coverage but I say all of these things but the way that he teaches it is so it all looks the same you're just getting to a different spot mm -hmm. and I, I watched him do a zoom um, where he, he's explaining the defense and how they did it in Michigan and, and how they're going to do it here and it, it's it looks complicated, but it's simple at the same time. And you can see that with the way these guys play because they're flying around, man. So there's a lot that he does, um, and it looks the same a lot of the time, which confuses offensive linemen and confuses quarterbacks. To me, that's the most intriguing thing, right, is the idea of making something look complicated for an offense, look confusing for an offense, but also allow defensive players uh, to just be themselves and right. really attack. And that's not because defensive players can't clearly understand really complicated defenses, but it's because when your job is to react and when you don't know what the offense is doing, mm -hmm. you need that extra second, and that's all the difference in the world. And so I think one of the things 
things that we've seen the Seahawks defense struggle with for the last couple years is, especially when they switch to a 3-4 base defense, introducing maybe some concepts or making guys, um, you know, have to change the way they think about certain things. And they didn't have that extra second. You just saw guys overthinking. You saw guys making wrong decisions. You saw guys, you know, not playing instinctively maybe. Right. And um, it's especially impressive to me because that's where the coaching seems to come in, yeah. right? A good coach makes a complicated defense easy for his players. Yeah, it makes it simple. It makes it simple. It's all about installing it in a way that you your guys are gonna are gonna connect with it and it's gonna stick. Now, one concern I would say when it comes to personnel is you have to find dynamic interior linebackers. Mm. The guys on the inside, they need to be dynamic because what he does is when I talk about uh, that six men on the line of scrimmage, you're going to walk up your Mike linebacker. He's going to drop. He's going to stunt. Sometimes he's going to have curl to flat. Other times he's going to have the hook. The safety's going to come in and, and, and replace and push these guys out. Those middle linebackers, I'm talking about Patrick Queen, I'm talking about Roquan Smith, are dynamic mm -hmm. as heck. I say it again. Jordan Brooks needs to be on this football team. He needs to find another guy if he's not going to rock with Bobby or Devin Bush, but they need to be dynamic. And when we look at the uh, the struggles of the Seahawks' defenses of the past recently, it's mm -hmm. dropping into coverage and feeling what's going on around you and being able to cover space. So, um, again, outside linebackers have to be dynamic, which I think these guys are already when you look at Boye and Achenna. But I look at those interior linebackers, and they have to be dynamic as well. they got to be able to take on guards because you will line up in the, in the, the the, the the A gap and the B gap they have to be able to drop into the into the flats into the hooks and curls and you got to be able to cover the running back asking a lot but if you are able to keep a offense guessing you're more likely to have success in those positions if you have the right type of guys it starts with Jordan Brooks I love the possibilities of Jordan Brooks in this defense uh, you have a question from a listener. Stupid question, maybe, and we'll and then we'll wrap up this se uh, segment. Stupid question, maybe, but if McDonald's calling plays, what's the defensive coordinator doing? Right, that's not a stupid question because you're like, why isn't he the defensive coordinator? Right. Yeah, it's it's kind of a combination. Mike McDonald has to be on the field, right? So your defensive coordinator, you guys are game planning together. Mike might be like, look, hey, um, you you take care of you take care of third third and long situations. I'll take care of the rest. But we'll come together and we'll collab and talk about what we're seeing. That's why it's important that he has a guy that he trusts. Also, well, Mike being on the field, he's going to gather information from the guy up top, right? Yeah. Has to be a guy that he trusts, that like, he knows. So we've game planned together. You know exactly what I'm looking for and how we can exploit the opposition. So that's what it is. It, it's a collaborative effort when it comes to game planning, but the final decision goes through Mike. Well, let's finally hear from Mike McDonald, shall we? His introductory press conference coming your way in just a few minutes. Don't go anywhere.